Scott Herzog. And I'm Jim Arrowwood. And on this episode, we're discussing Red Rising by Pierce Brown. Now, <clears throat> just a brief summary here. This this book uh, is very much in vain of the young adult dystopian future Hunger Games type books, except for it's got a little bit of a twist. It's not so much a dystopian future as much as a very advanced spacefaring future. But other than that, it kind of follows the same beats. Uh, what we have here is uh, a society that's been kind of segregated into several different uh, groupings, all by known by their color or their their crest color. And uh, the Reds are basically enslaved to mine and terraform the planet Mars, uh, thinking that they're getting it ready for everyone else, only to discover, well, one person discovers that the uh, the future is already here and they've been keeping the reds in the dark. Uh, everyone's already living comfortably on Mars and he goes undercover to kind of try and infiltrate the highest caste of uh, humans society and bring it down. That is the basic summary. Sounds good. Yeah. Yep. Done. Let's move on to the next book. Next book. Next book. <laughs> next book. <laughs> all right well so that's great uh jim david so let's talk about uh overall impressions and thoughts about this book so how do you feel about this book um david this is a, so uh you gave us just a little bit of an overview here how do you feel about this book what was your overall impression of it this is a weird one because this had been on my list for a long time uh that i kept <coughs> Excuse me, I kept forgetting about it. And um, let me say that again. This is this this a weird one. It had been on my list for a long time. Uh, I kept forgetting about it. Um, some podcasters that I listen to have been going on and on and on about how great this series is. And uh, so my expectations were very high. And I sat down and, man, it took about, I would say, maybe even more than halfway through the book before it started to click with me. Not that it was bad, because it's not bad. It just very much like been there, done that kind of kind of scenario. I just a lot of, a lot of very similar tropes that we've seen with the characters, and honestly, like just the angst in in the characters, I was kind of tired of, and the fact that a lot of times these books we, we've been experiencing it for a long time with the Throne of Glass books is they're written. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, yeah, by the way, the person's 17. And you're like, wait a minute, what? Like, this doesn't sound anything like a 17-year-old. Like, I totally forgot that this person was supposed to be so young. And sometimes it works, but I feel like in this book it, it kind of kept taking me out of it because uh, I felt the characters' interactions and age was very much more like mid-20s, um, like military 
uh, brat type of thing. So my overall, uh, so overall impression, thought it was okay. I can't decide if I'm hooked enough to want to read the next one. Uh, I think I could go either way. Jim, uh, you were the one that kind of uh, suggested this, recommended from your son. Is he the one that, or a student, a student recommended? No, my grand, my grandson. Oh, your actually. grandson recommended. So I was close. So tell me about. Uh, <laughs> so you had this recommendation. How did you? Uh, how did you feel about this book? Well, I enjoyed it. Okay. However, I was expecting a fantasy book, and that's exactly what I got. Okay. <laughs> it's it's touted to be a young adult sci-fi story. But other than it being set on Mars and a few gadgets here and there, uh, it, it, it read like a fantasy. The, the battles, you know, low-tech battles. Um, uh, geez, what else was I going to say? It, it, it just read like a fantasy. Armor, uh, flags, all this stuff. It, it just, just read like a fam- fantasy. Uh, you know. But that being said, if you're going to sell books for young adults, I think you have to have the fantasy aspect to it, or they're not going to read it. I I cannot see young people reading just plain science fiction unless they're absolutely forced to do it. So (laughs) I didn't hate the book. I thought it was fine. I was entertained. I got through it pretty quickly. And, um, but, uh, it wasn't, it what for me, it wasn't science fiction. Very good. Uh, it was a good book. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just yeah. kidding. That's my <laughs> review. That's my overview. It's a good book. There yeah. you go. So my overview of the book here. So uh, I agree with David. It took a good, I was like, at the beginning, I was like, I don't care at all about this relationship. EO, come on. I was so sick of him and EO's relationship. <laughs> I just did what he And when they died, I'm like, good, the book's over. Um, I'm just kidding. Uh, but, you know, I knew I had a lot more to read. But I was, you know, it was really probably from that point on when he comes back from being quote unquote dead that the book had some interest in me, but I got to admit when they dropped him into the, uh, the games, if you will, um, that I was like, kind of lost interest again, been there, done that. Let's have people fight each other to see who's, you know, going to come out on top. Now, granted, book two and three aren't going to be about the game. So it's a little bit different. It's kind of like this was a vehicle to get us to the next book to determine mm-hmm. like his worthiness to be a part of the, you know, the Jackal's house, right? Jackal's dad takes. But I got to be honest, like I read this book and I got within it. So I don't, I, again, I didn't read physically. I listened to it. I was an hour and a half from the end of it. And I had to stop reading it. I could not huh. finish it. I didn't finish it until today. 
and then the hour, last hour and a half today, uh, because I think of where I was at in my life, um, there's been a lot, you know, I won't go into the details of it here, but there's been a lot of heaviness happening in my life. And when he confronts the jackal and the jackal's sitting across from him and he brings a knife down through the jackal's hand into the table and says, the only way you're getting free is if you saw off your arm and the jackal stares at him and begins to saw through his arm as 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 he just stares and she's describing it cutting through the muscles, the tendon, the mm-hmm. flesh. I was like, I'm done. I don't need to read any more of this. And yeah. I stopped. I stopped. Didn't pick it up till today. Now, I was happy with the way it ended. I was fine. And it was actually, if I would have pushed past that scene for another two minutes, I'd have been fine. It was just at that moment, I'm like, I really don't need this. I'm done. So it had a very emotional impact to me. Um, and uh, it was it was an okay book. I if, if, if you guys were to say to me, Scott, we're going to read book two and three, I would do it. I might grumble <laughs> a little bit. Um, <laughs> Uh, might might your your names might be curse words in my lexicon for a while, but but I would Uh-oh. do it, and it wouldn't be in, <laughs> and it wouldn't be the worst book that we read. Mm-hmm. So it was not the worst book in my opinion that I read here. Yeah, it's no Kim Stanley. Yes, Kim Stanley by hands down. I would I would agree that that is one of the uh, one of the worst books we read. But. Uh. I you know I I, I I agree with a lot of what you said. It, you, I think uh, to elaborate a little bit more, when I came back was not even when they were in the forest. Or it was I didn't really get back into the book until he started to finally start acting like a leader. Like because they kept building him up and building him up, and and I guess we'll you mean get into you, this you mean when he, you mean when he dies again and comes back. Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. When he actually starts acting like the super soldier, like big, powerful leader type person that he's supposed to be, instead of just you know a guy in a in an arena, it, then it really changed. It became much more interesting to me. The Reaper. I got tired of waiting for him to blossom. Right. Hmm. So anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I suppose we could talk about some of the characters you gave some. Some insight into Darrow there. Uh, Scott, you have any, what did you think of Darrow? First of all, Darrow, I I want, I got to preface something. David, did you listen or read the book? I listened. So when the guy started speaking the first time, I really struggled. I think part of the issue early on might've been the reader. Yeah, because he's reading. Uh, he has like his Irish. Is that an Irish accent or some sort of accent that he's reading with? And that threw me for a little bit. Uh, and so I got to be honest about that. I really, in the end, when I look back, the the most fascinating character, and obviously the one that we see most developed, is Darrow himself. You'd really see him as this, you know, preteen or mid mid teen boy that's been thrown into responsibility, totally in love with this girl that's just ripped from his, 
you know, grasp and and um, and then he becomes this. He's thrust into something beyond him and uh, fueled by hatred. And he's complex. He ends up he ends up really caring for the people he was sent to destroy. Um, he's a very complex character, and so in the end, the complexity of Darrow. While there are certain elements of his life. I like more than others. He's a character that definitely is dynamic and had a lot of growth in him from beginning to end. And it is in part like if I were to, if you were to say, Scott, let's read the second, third book, this would be that he would be the reason that I would be reading it because I did like the character of Daryl and it was character driven. And you saw him, you were learning and, experiencing the world through his eyes and what stuff was revealed to him, it was revealed to us. And, um, and so this whole first person point of view, you didn't necessarily trust everything or his perception of things. Um, but we learned as he did. I, I, I like Darrow. Darrow was, uh, EO was a vehicle to get him into it. So even though that she became kind of the thing that kind of kept him moving forward, I didn't really care about her in the end and his drunk uncle narrow. You know, I didn't really care about him either, but so interesting things that you brought up there, uh, specifically the difference between listening and reading this book. So I have some questions for Jim here. Okay. When in, in listening to it, each, uh, sect of, or color group had a different accent. And like it start the the reds were very much Irish, and the golds were very like British. And the higher up gold you got, the more imperialistic British accent you got. Did you, in reading it, did you get that distinct dialect change? Uh, I did during his training when when they were telling him reds wouldn't say this, or, or excuse me golds would not say this and you're going to be a gold so you've got to get used to this other now as far as being irish and british i didn't pick up on that man yeah. uh, could, it could have been the way the narrator just chose to voice those characters right. so. yeah i i felt that it fit the narration later in the book but i'll tell you what the first day i was listening to it i listened to about an hour and a half i turned it off and it was like two days till i could come back i was like I, I could have barely understand the guy's accent. No, <laughs> oh, it, like, it was rough. rough yeah, I, was, I didn't See, want to listen to it. To me, reading reading the print book, uh, it seemed like there was more more of a Martian dialect going on there, whereas rather than being from Earth, they had been on Mars and kind of developed their own um their own language and their own metaphors and their, and all that stuff. And I, I will admit in the first two or three chapters, I did struggle a little bit, um, getting through the language, but I, I don't know if the language in the book changed or if I was just getting used to the cadence of it, but it didn't bother me after a while. I also really go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. I, I didn't. I didn't like the uh, first person perspective, and it is towards the end of the book where it does switch to third person, uh, which I was very 
relieved for. I just, I don't know. I just could not get behind it still, Barrow. It was still first person at the end. Was it? Yep. I thought, I thought some of the story flipped away. There was, there know. was a point where that flips away, but I think it's when he's dying or when he's unconscious, it flips away. Okay. Um, but I think at the end, he's still, it's still him making the choice to make his allegiance to the, you know, the jackal's father, you know, right. it's still first person. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I, I guess I just am not that interested in first person read. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Uh, no, I, I like Darrow myself. I thought, I thought he was, a. Uh, he seemed to be happy with his life at the beginning. Uh, you know, he, he was good at what he did and he had a wife that he really cared a great deal about and a family that he cared about and they cared about him with the exception of his drunk uncle. And, and <laughs> he, he just seemed very happy where he was. And you don't often see that, yeah. uh, the, his wife, EO was the one that was pushing him, you know, you need to be more, you need to be more, you got to want more and things like that. And I, I don't know. I, I kind of agreed with her or disagreed with her on that because what's wrong with being happy where you are. Right. Yeah. I think for yeah. her, she was, it was clear that the uncle and EO were part of the revolutionary group that were, that saw potential in Darrow that he didn't see. And in a sense, manipulated him unbeknownst to him into the situation he was. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, and we don't know, we don't know, but it seems like the marriage itself maybe was a sham in one degree or another, although he doesn't view it that way, but it was a sham to push him into a situation. He was a tool for this Martin, this Martian underground to bring down the, Proletariat or the uh, the the elite, right? Yeah, the He's, sons of Aries, right? So he was there to bring down, and and it's clear that Eo's in on it. It's clear that the uncle's in on it, um, and that 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 Darrow is not. So they huh. all know something. They know a secret. They're a part of something that he is not. He has no desire to be. And he loves Eo just for being Eo and who she is, but it's clear that they they are not they are not on the same channel. Now, now, now that you mention it, I I, I see that. Yeah, I did not before. And, and, and you know, and here's the thing: despite Darrow's growth, at the end, he still doesn't really see it that way. That he's been manipulated into it. No, absolutely he's, not. He's, yeah. he's doing it out of vengeance and anger, and he's going to make a difference. But, but he still doesn't see that he's been, he's been kind of forced into it by this wife that is now revered, right? Hmm. Yeah. Right. Interesting. I I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. I really but. didn't like the manipulation thing. It really rubbed me the so, wrong way. So there were an awful lot of characters in here and I kind of tried to keep it to just a few of the main ones. And then there's, now we have Cassius. 
Right. And mm-hmm. Cassius and Darrow, they start out at odds with each other a little bit, but they come to an understanding. And then later on, Cassius finds out that Darrow killed his little brother. Yep. Well, and it doesn't matter to Cassius that he, that Darrow was forced to do this. And the next thing you know, we've got a a big hairball going on between these two guys. Right. So uh, my impressions of Cassius is he, he was a bit of a a hole. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. For lack of a better term. It was also the way, uh, in one way, I mean, the way Cassius was leading and the way they were developing their tribe, this is a this ultimately ends in his second death, right? He's killed because of quote unquote Cassius nursed back by um, Mustang, right? But mm-hmm. this is uh, this is really a uh, this whole Cassius and Julian. I, I had to wonder whether. Gillian is a is a form of Julius, as in Julius Caesar and Cassius, which is a character also from Julius Caesar. Whether these are mm-hmm. intentional, uh, um, because I mean Julius Caesar, we know of course is this whole uh, story of betrayal and backstabbing, and you see that being pretty prominent throughout uh, this this story here. Um, yeah, but Julian and then Cassius and. Yeah, it's 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 an interesting dynamic. I like Cassius as a character. He's he's fascinating, and um, the bond between him and uh, Darrow is uh, I, I like it up until it's kind of revealed. Um, yeah. So I don't know. It was becoming a real like buddy cop type thing, you know, between the two of them. I was actually a little surprised at how much Cassius just like totally swung when he found out. I thought there might have been some like uh, goodwill earned through, from what they had done. You know, it really does set up the story well and thinking about it now as we're talking about it. So Cassius, because Julian with blood, turns on Darrow. So in the end, when... when Darrow discovers that Mustang's brother is the jackal. He's expecting the same sort of turn that she's going to flip and join them. So it's his huge surprise. You know, he builds up his own army because he thinks that she is going to turn on him and she ends up not. She ends up being kind of faithful, if you will, to Darrow and his cause turning over his brother to him. But it kind of sets up this whole end game. Well, this is what this is what Cassius did because of Julian. Blood is thicker than friendship, is thicker than love, is above that. And we find that, well, in some cases, maybe it's not. Yeah. And then uh, now you, you brought up Mustang, uh, Virginia Augustus. And I'll tell you what, that part, where she left and Darrow finds out who that her <laughs> that her brother is the jackal and it was like oh crap here we go <laughs> right i thought i thought for sure we were going to have a, a just a major problem here for Darrow right and when she when she turned around that totally blew me away i mean when she actually came back 
And Darrow's like, oh boy, here it comes, knife in the back time, right? And right. she doesn't do it. It was like, this is awesome. I love that. <laughs> it's, 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 it's the first time in the book where you're like, oh crap, shit's going to hit the fan. It's the first time where it doesn't happen. Like, he, you know, she drops his brother, her brother naked, you know, trussled up, you know, at his feet, and it's over. Yeah. You know? Well, yeah and then there's the the reaction of of uh nero augustus the arch governor of mars who's who tells him hey we're gonna make you the head lancer how about that right (laughs) and i'm gonna pay you off to stay silent about my manipulation of the games Mm -hmm. let's do this god yeah so yeah uh you know he he definitely came into uh a great place there, you know, and so I I, I put some uh, story points up. Is there is there any things that you wanted to discuss about this book, uh, the Sons of Ares? I think we talked about them a little bit. What about this cast system that they have going on? Be- before we get there, can we talk just a little bit more about the Proctors as characters and their okay. kind of and. Oh, the Proctors. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the Proctors, who are kind of like these unseen people kind of watching over the game. Um, they almost seem like, what did they call them? And it's been a while since I've read Harry Potter. Who were like the, what were the head boys called in Harry Potter? Oh, I don't remember. Weren't they just called the head, head boys? Yeah, they might have been. But they, they, they remind me is that, that they're kind of watching over the houses to make sure they are. And if their houses yeah. get ousted, then they're kind of off this Mount Olympus. Um, which, you know, at time they seem genuinely for the people. And other times they, uh, they uh, seem to get in the way and they interfere. And it's, it's kind of a interesting interesting yeah yeah well especially especially the proctor named mars yeah i mean you you didn't know which way he was gonna jump but the thing of it is is they were they were so darn manipulative that i i could hardly call them observers uh yeah (laughs) they 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 were they were too involved well they were meddling and that is because of who jackal was yeah. So maybe the Proctors were all on the payroll or Nero's payroll. <laughs> yeah. They, they were all like uh, almost like their own subgroup of class. Basically they were all gold, but they were not the highest gold. Right. And here they were given a little bit of power and a little bit of like uh freedom to just kind of be in complete control and, and kind of enjoy the the finer things, and they just abused it, right? Yeah. yeah, absolutely, yeah. But not necessarily their own doing, right? It was clear that Nero was kind of in the background orchestrating some of this. So. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. All right. So where do you want to well, go now? I, I you know I, I tell you what this cast system that they had the golds and the blacks and the blues and the oranges and the purples and all this stuff there were too you know, many that, that yeah there was way too many to uh keep track of i don't know how that's going to shake out in in further books but the two i was mostly concerned with was red and gold yeah and you know honestly 
it's so heavily focused early on in the book um, that once he actually gets off Mars and into the Academy itself, you really mm-hmm. kind of, because they're all supposed to be gold, you kind of lose fat, you lose focus on that. And it's brought up occasionally and there's, you know, he has to catch himself most of the time from saying stuff that would give him away. And he has this mission, but for the most part, once he gets off the main world, it's kind of like, it's kind of almost secondary, but there is a lot to keep track of. You're right. It's very factionalized society. Yeah. I think, I think some of that was to, to get across that even Darrow was shocked by it. Cause to him, there were the, the reds and the golds or whatever, but the reds are all, all pretty much, they're just reds. But then when he he gets into the golds, he finds out there's pinks and there's whites. Other. There's there's like advanced reds or whatever they call them. There's like a second level of reds. Yeah, mm-hmm. and 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 so like even the golds have their own like level of gold that you are. Yeah, and uh, yeah. yeah, that was. I mean, I think it's supposed to be a lot for Darrow, and I think that's why it's a lot for us right but uh one thing that we forgot to mention is the guy uh you know he we mentioned scott about how he was he you know was hiding who he was and had to be careful about what he says and the few times that he almost slips and he finds out that one they're watching him at all times and they could have seen and then two the uh there he's not the only one put into the system right well he actually slipped in front of cassius one time Right. Oh yeah, yeah. But Cassius missed it, so you know it's like you. <laughs> yep. I I got by there. <laughs> yeah. And the the one guy deletes it from the footage, but I can't. That's remember. at the very end, and we yeah. and I think in future books, is, they kind of indicate that that might play into future books. Yeah. The way it's kind of worded. So well, in this particular book, we have actually it's like four different uh sections we have slave and then and this is all uh in reference to darrow we have slave and then reborn and then gold and reaper so right. in the slave part darrow is a, he- a hell diver mining helium three and he is proud of his work and he's good at it right uh when his wife eo is killed for singing a forbidden song for crying out loud, forbidden song? Okay. <sighs> that 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 kind of threw me for a loop. Uh and he tells Darrow or excuse me, and tells Darrow he can be more than he is, EO does, okay? And all he wants to do is his his job and be happy. Yeah. How do you guys feel about singing in books? Because there's nothing that gets me to skim faster. Than when they make you read a song. Uh, Well, you know, I've gotten quite used of it reading Tolkien, right? Because Tolkien, there's songs everywhere. You don't, you don't have it, and it actually, in this case, it becomes an anthem. So you remember how in the Hunger Hunger Games she does that little finger thing where she does her salute, right? The little salute out. That it becomes something that gets carried throughout the colonies or the 13, whatever. Uh, in this case, this is a song that becomes, it's a forbidden song that is sung and makes her more powerful because um, 
you know, it gets her, it, it, it permeates the system and they hijack the system. So everyone hears it, right? Even the golds, this forbidden mm-hmm. song, if you will. Um, well, she's singing it right there in front of Nero though. Is it near? Yeah. Oh, is, is it Nero? Yeah. There? Yeah. Cause he's the one the the arch governor is the one who condemned her to death to be, yeah. to be hung. So he is now, he's now a, uh, he's now working and a son of the same person that killed his wife. Interesting. Yeah. So now get the, I didn't now, put the two, now, get I, didn't put, I didn't put the two together because his role at the beginning was oh. so small, but. Oh, but. well then there's, then there's this. Okay. Not only do they hang her, but Darrow has to go over and grab her legs and pull her down to make sure her neck breaks because of the gravity. Right. Now that is brutal as hell. That is brutal as hell. <laughs> I'm going to be honest, this slave the slave part, this is the part I didn't care about. I understand that without this part, we wouldn't have had the rest of the book. But I cared the least about this book. Yeah. I had this part. It just didn't I didn't care about it. I couldn't wait for I was like when's the story going on? I'm sick of this story. I'm tired of this. Uh, EO, 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 please, God help me. But, <laughs> but at the same time, you know, I say that I understand why I felt it was a bit too long and thought maybe they could have shortened it a little bit. But I understood that this needed to be the premise to kind of set us up for why he chose to go along with, you know, the Sons of Ares in Reborn. Yeah. I get that. But I did not like this part. So what uh, did you did you have anything to add, David? No, I mean I kind of agree. I, I, this this is the hardest part for me to get through the book for the same reasons. It just I don't know. I didn't care. I felt like it was a very forced. His wife, for being so young, she had so much power over him, and they acted like she had all this experience, and she was. Then they just keep reminding you how young she is, and just didn't make any sense to me. I, yeah. And the manipu- the very clear manipulation of the characters just i don't know like i it was very much a means to an end to me yeah well hold on to your hats guys because the first part of this book was my favorite oh, oh. <laughs> I, I, so you're I'm saying that's just... so you so you're saying you like preteen love stories of marriages yeah. got it no, well, I have a series for you. It's called Throne of Glass. Hey, 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 hey. Don't compare the two. This is a whole different whole different scene here, guys. First of all, they're married. Secondly, you don't get the graphic descriptions of rolling bear, around on the beach. The bear, where, don't get where? me started. <laughs> don't get me started. Okay. All right. So Darrow uh, cuts EO down. That's right. To bury her, which gets him in trouble. Uh, now the, the, he can't. He's not even spo- allowed to take care of the body, so he gets condemned to death. Uncle Nayrol, uh, the drunk and who was kind of abusive towards him, um, helps fake Darrow's death. Uh, Darrow wants revenge for Eo. He becomes a son of Ares. Uh, quite. Um, by mistake or not by mistake or accident, but you know, he, he, he's not interested in it and he's trained to be a gold and forced to kill Julian in order to become that. 
So not only that, he is genetically and physically altered. Yeah. <laughs> Big time. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, any comments on this second uh, part of the book? I found this much more interesting, what they were doing to him and the yeah. yeah, the whole idea of the, what do they call them? Skin grafter, skin shapers or whatever. Yeah. yeah. It's an art. Uh, it's an art. Yeah. 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 I found that really, really interesting, um, uh, but also very, like, I was like, ah, this seems very, uh, like someone just really likes cyberpunk. <laughs> you know? Well, you know, he he really had some some good skills before right. he was enhanced. Well, oh, his yeah, un- yeah. did his uncle, like, teach him how to do these dances, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, so again, this goes... I think that Darrow from a very young age was being manipulated to be part of this and that EO and an uncle knew this from the get go. Um, and we're just looking for the opportunity to spring this because he obviously was trained in both like the game, like some of the games they played to test him and the, the dance moves. Like he, he is, he was trained from an early age. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But. So, yeah, and as I said, I didn't uh, I didn't catch that. So he's reborn. He wakes up, uh he's uh remade. Yeah, and, and sent before in 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 this part where he's for, I think the part that that really got to me like the whole killing of Jillian is is where you really begin to see the brutalness of what these kids are going to be asked to do to each other. Right. You get that indication and uh yeah, it's just interesting. Yeah. Well, you know, and Darrow and Julian had become friends and uh you know, I I was kind of I was kind of let down that he had to kill him. Right. You know, it was only one of you is coming out of this room alive. Yeah. And, you know, what do you do? <laughs> um he Darrow did though consider letting Julian kill him. Right. You know, for for a bit because, you know, sacrifice himself and end this and the and the whole thing. But then he wouldn't have been able to carry out his mission of vengeance. Right. Which, which is the whole thing that's driving him from this side, from his side, and then the Ares, sons of Ares are looking for the government to get overthrown. Right. So, okay, so now we have the in the section called Gold, uh, there's a lot of infighting between numerous factions and houses and all this stuff, and these guys beat those guys, and those guys beat these other guys, and everybody gets together and beats those guys, and it's just back and forth, uh, <laughs> you know. Uh, Daryl realizes the factions need to be united. This is what I think the most important thing that comes out of the out of this section of the book that everybody needs to be united to defeat the jackal. Mm-hmm. But he uh the way that he's kind of leading these groups is based on fear. And uh mm-hmm. and when he is reborn as the reaper, you see a change in that. But you he does realize it in this section um about what needs to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
But, you know, the, well, the Jackal, everybody knows the Jackal is backed by Nero, by the arch-governor. Right. So, you know, they're afraid of him. Right. And you're going to need a pile of people to come and and unseat him because he is the heir apparent and he's supposed to be the top dog and the head gold. And the, the proctors are uh, inform us of that, 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 that Jackal is meant to win. Yeah, yeah. Point, so. but the other the big thing is that J- Jackal's doing what Darrow should have been doing the whole time. He's he's not doing it the I mean what we would see as morally the correct way. But Jackal is you, the people that he's getting. He's like unifying them under him via the enslavement of rules right. or whatever. Right. But but he is getting out of enslavement and fear. He is uniting all the other sects underneath him to go after Darrow's to Mars right? and uh, whoever's with Mars. So he's successfully doing what Darrow's supposed to be doing. I mean, not the right way, but right. it's kind of, a, it's a good, it's a, the, to me, the Jackal was a good foil. Right. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. Yeah. To spur, well, to spur things forward. Yeah. yeah. So now we get, uh, Darrow is, called the reaper he's won enough battles and gained enough um enough of everything in order to get get a nickname that and because of the the weapon he carries right uh there's more fighting and more fighting and uh factions are eliminated and or absorbed by darrow who has been who has become known as a reaper be and and um he eventually defeats the jackal with the help of mustang uh, fearing his power, Nero appoints Darrow the Lancer of House Augustus, and Darrow accepts the offer, knowing it will get help help get him closer to his goal of vengeance. Yes. So this part of my book is my favorite part of the book. Because you see, number one, in and he's reborn, he realizes the way he's been going about enslaving people has been not the best way. And so uh-huh. they, they, they almost begin to develop this sort of we're freeing you as slaves, but you have to earn your freedom. So you have to win a battle for me, and then I'm going to free you. And because they're able to earn their freedom, they then become loyal, right, to him um, uh, to, 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 in a really strong way. These battles are incredible. Like, they're... Th- th- they hide in the corpses of horses and come barreling out, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, they, 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 they scale a wall by kind of putting a trunk up and launching themselves up over. They, uh, they hide in the snow all night under wolf pelts to come and infiltrate the enemies and to upset. They do some ingenious things as w- when he is the reaper, right? They go in and they carve the, the 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 sickle or whatever it is that is that he is as a reaper, and this becomes a sign that his enemies begin to fear, right? Because mm-hmm. of it, and and so there's an there's an incre- there's an incredible this whole battle and the way they go about it is pretty incredible for me, and I and I and I love this part. Um, as he's, you know, gathering his forces to hunt down the jackal. Yeah. But this so, actually made me more excited for the next books. I mean, I think that's what it was supposed to do. Right. But 
just the the idea that they finally have some some tech in a sci-fi book <laughs> right know? the repulsor and, boots right yeah and then especially because he becomes the lancer and, and the, I'm, I'm sure the next book has more to do with him like learning how to fly the ships and and you know intergalactic stuff and that like that's the part of this it's like man i kind of want to know what goes on in the next book I, I, I you know maybe i'll read it yeah i don't know well him getting appointed to uh to the house augustus definitely i'm gonna read i'm gonna read the second book for sure at some point but um yeah, that 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 kind of grabbed me. Okay, well, if we're going to read the second I, book, we should just do it for the show and be done with it. All right, if we're each going <laughs> to read it, I'll read it. I'll take one for the team, and I'll read it. And you know, I I try and get my name mentioned in the Herzog house as little as possible. So yeah. I don't know if I like this. <laughs> yeah, I, I always want to be thought of as well thought of. You know, <laughs> wait, wait. You don't want your names being thrown around as curse words. Got it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but you yeah. know the the books aren't going anywhere we can we can pick them up a little later too yeah well you know i think that you do i think that the reality is that this is uh i'm going to get to one of it's one of, it's in one of my quotes that i'm going to share later on but they talk about that societies go through three distinct patterns there's savagery and then there's duh, and then there's duh. This book really focused in on the savagery that happens in society. And I think oh, yeah. that, I think in the next book, we get like the second phase of society. I think the last one is like decadence or something. But, you know, so you mm. get to see this as kind of being the motif. So I think we're out of the savagery phase by the end. Or it seems yeah. like we're moving on from it. And so I get what the author was trying to do. I would not want to read the second book and have it be like this. So, and I don't think yeah. that we're going to see, I don't think we're going to get it. I think it's mm. different. So, all right. So, Hey Scott, yep. I'm going to defer to you for uh, favorite points of plot, favorite points of plot. So, uh, let's start with you, Dave. What was, okay. uh, we, we talked about a bunch of different points of plot, uh, give me one to start off. One of your favorite points of plot, Jim. We're coming to you next. All right. Uh, cool. Uh, for me, one of my favorite points of plot was definitely uh, when he was transitioning into the like getting all the super soldier stuff put into him to become a gold, and they were explaining how different the golds are to the reds, who come across as pretty tough people like definitely like strong stock but then it's like wait a minute the golds have better muscles they got better bones and they're not genetically enhanced it's just their upbringing breeding and stuff makes them you know be this uh more advanced because they deal in higher levels of gravity and all that kind of stuff uh, and during that they also were kind of showing what the pinks were and then what people in the society, like the body modifications that they were getting. And they described how the one lady had wings and it's like, well, she has wings and she's in servitude for these wings, but she can't fly. Right. They're just decoration, you know, just kind of weird stuff like that. Um, so I thought that was really interesting. Good. I like that. Jim, how about you? Well, as I said, the first part of the book, 
was my favorite. I liked the feeling that Darrow was a worker and content with being the best he could be. I liked the feeling of family in this section of the book and would have liked to have seen more of that. Uh, for me, the first, the opening section of this book was emotionally charged. Uh, I mean, killing somebody for singing a song for crying out loud. Okay. Um, you know, even though everyone in the village or whatever was poor, they still appreciated their life. Right. You know? And Darrow was up for a prize for digging the most H three, but, uh, he didn't win it, but it didn't matter to him. He didn't, you know, go stomping off and pouting or anything like that. He took it in stride. He knew it was going to happen. And so he, he carried on. And the scene with, with him and EO looking at the stars, he had never really looked at the stars or seen the stars. Uh, to me, that was kind of moving. Oh yeah, definitely. No, I agree. So yeah, that, that's, that was my favorite. Yeah. So one of my favorite points of plot was the taking over of Mount Olympus. When they go into oh, when they yeah. go into Mount Olympus and begin to tear through there, putting the proctors in their place, I was uh, I was digging it. I was digging it, and uh, you know they were they skipped the jackal. Let's take care of the people that are really running the show, and um, <laughs> and let's do it. And uh, of course, not without its complications, and uh, kind of sets up the whole uh, Mustang and jackal thing at the end, but. I really did. Uh, I really did. I like that. In fact, one of my favorite scenes, and this happens right prior to this, is it kind of sets it in motion. Is when the one proctor grabs him by the hair and you know takes him like three hundred feet in the hair, air, and then thinks he has him and lets him go, and he's hanging there because he has his coffee. <laughs> yeah, I just love that. I was like. And the guy was shocked, and he, like, stabs him in the eye four times, which, you know, again, one of the things that I was like, seriously? But, you know, happens and <laughs> kills him, and you're like, okay, then, here we go. And yeah. now I see attacking the Proctors. Let's do this. So. Right. And I think what, that, that, what, what, what really set cool. them what really set them in, in this in motion from Mount Olympus is he finds out that they've captured Mustang and that Mustang's being held there, so we're taking care of this first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Uh David, Jim, other points of plot that stuck out to you that you really enjoyed. No, yeah, I'm I'm good. Yeah, you guys both have the like well, the Mount Olympus thing was really great. I, I liked that a lot. Well, you know, yeah. now that I think of it, it it's it's kind of weird how we had a mixing of Greek and Roman yep. references. Yep. Oh, what, which reminds me, Trojan horse, <laughs> uh, to, to, well, horse, <laughs> when they, they go after, I think it's Mustangs people and they have the guys hiding in the horse carcasses Yeah, outside like that. I thought that was, uh, that was a cool, huh. gross, <laughs> but uh, yeah. cool plot point. Yeah. No, yeah. I, and, and, sure. yeah. And I, I agree with that. I agree with that. Of course they could have constructed a large wooden badger right. and, uh, or, or rabbit. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right now, Sir Lancelot and I will be getting out of the chicken. All right, right. But uh, you know, 
I, I agree with all these points. I think I think it's I think it's good. I I I, I like that part of it. Um. Yeah, I mean, it was there were just there was there were there were many good moments, and you know, I'm going to be honest. The reveal when we come face to face with the jackal for the first time, and he's this, you know, kind of skinny kid sitting across from him, and they realize it, and they figure it out. Um, you know, that scene, despite that, that is a scene that I, of course, quit reading the book for a while. Um, yeah. but that is a good scene. Like the way that plays out, um, is kind of pivotal. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, and even the bigger reveal that, that Mustang walked in and didn't say anything. Well, she was, was wasn't she trying to say something, but he kind of blew her away at that point. Yeah. 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 But so, all right, well, let's move on to, uh, quotes uh as usual you guys have got quotes and and i don't so (laughs) let's go ahead and start with jim what are what what kind of quotes do you have for us here all right i found just a couple um one of them i i like i like the theme of this quote okay it's funny how a single word can change everything in your life and the answer i assume is from darrow it's not funny at all steel is power money is power but of all the things in all the worlds, words are power. Yeah, so, I agree. That that quote also made my list as well. That's a good one. And then another one I I pulled up was um, she. Uh, this I think this is in reference to Eo. Yeah. She will not come back, but her beauty, her voice, will echo until the end of time. She believed in something beyond herself. And her death gave her voice power it didn't have in life. It goes back to your first quote that words are indeed power. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Scott? What do you have? uh, So uh, my first quote is this one. Man cannot be freed by the same injustice that enslaved it. So I like that quote. Um. And also this one, the measure of a man is what he does when he has power. Yeah, so I like that. That was a good one. quote. <laughs> uh-huh. And then I had the same quote you did that you just said, funny how a single word can change everything in your life. Um, and then I had the other one. This is the one I was referring to earlier, that society has three stages, savagery, ascendance, and decadence. The great rise because of savagery. They rule because of ascendance. They fall because of their own decadence. So I think that this first book, we saw the savagery and the rise of Darrow, and you're going to see that they begin to rule because they ascend. And uh, I imagine the trilogy might follow these three ideas. Yeah, I, I hadn't even thought of that, but but I think you're right. So. Hmm. Uh, yeah. So. so. All right. Well, <clears throat> let's get into our final ratings and review of this. Uh, so closing thoughts. Um, would you recommend this book? Uh, would you recommend it to someone who's not a sci-fi fan? And what is your overall rating? Go ahead, Scott. All right. Um, first of all, this book, obviously being a first book is accessible, right? Anyone can, anyone can get into it. It's good. Um, and, I think I'm, I think I, my problem, I, ha, I had some problems with the book. I think in part, 
I'm judging it a bit on the narrator, the person that was actually reading the book. And so I may be not giving it a fair assessment. I I think it's accessible. I mean, anyone can read it. It's obviously, um, it becomes a character driven story and the sci-fi. And if you want it, if you will, the fantasy elements are really almost second to the development of Darrow as a character. And one of the things that this book does really well is creates a character that you, 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 you love, you hate, you, 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 you think he's immature at points. You, you, you kind of walk with him through it. And if I were breaking this down on just the character alone, I would probably score this as a 4.5 out of five. However, I did not enjoy the overall plot and there were points that did bother me quite a bit. Um, I probably would score this about a 3.5 out of five, not the worst book I ever read, uh, but not maybe as high as some of the more recent editions that I, that I had. Uh, so a 3.5 out of five would be my rating of this. Um, again, lots of things that I liked and do I think someone should read it? I think I am a firm believer that uh, people need to read this book and judge it based on their own merit. And I think I've told my son many times that you need to read the first three chapters of a book before you judge it. I think in this case, I would say you have to read half the book before you really judge it because it's setting up. If you look at all three books as being one complete system, you have to give it at least half the book in this case. Um, because I think that that'll either sell you on it, or you'll say, "Yeah, it's not for me." Hmm. Jim, how about you? Uh, I liked the book. I enjoyed it. I didn't. Uh, uh, it's not the greatest book I ever read, but it certainly is not the worst I ever read. I gave it a four. Um, and I took I took one point away from a five because of its fantasy flavor. Uh, it just it, it just did not resonate as science fiction with me. I mean, so, this would be a whole overall, this would be another whole other argument as to like, you know, fantasy versus sci-fi. There's obviously a very close blending and relationship. I mean, you do the same thing with Star Wars, right? Star Wars, everyone's going to say, well, that's the greatest sci-fi film of all time. But arguably, you could easily say that this is a fantasy story, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, see, you if you recall, Scott. You and I and I think Miles and Keith DeCandido. Oh, we had a whole conversation oh, about this, right? Yeah, we, we had an entire evening of it. And, <laughs> you know, even though even though it's a backdrop of life on another planet, it it, it just didn't resonate with me anyway. But, right. oh, and would I recommend it? Sure. I, I would recommend this to... Uh, to just about anybody as an entertaining book. And overall, our rating is 3.7, now, which so, is respectable. And Jim, just so you know, a little side note, um, I teach a science fiction literature course at our school. And that, you lucky con- and, and that conversation <laughs> between Keith, you and I, and Miles is a podcast that I make my students listen to. Awesome. Because of awesome. because of his discussion about science fiction and fantasy and you know what goes on and all that. So we they they listen yeah. to that. 
Oh, they're, huh. suppo- that they're, is, uh, oh, they're supposed to. Cool. They're supposed to at least. We'll put it that way. Oh, geez. So my 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 review is three point five as well. Uh, for this one, I Ooh. I felt very weak at the beginning, but kind of a stronger ending. And we've, we've talked about how I kind of want to read more. Um, maybe we will. Um, would I recommend this to someone? Yes. Would I recommend it to someone who's not a big fantasy person? I already have. I have someone who uh, recommended to me the newest, uh, well, I don't know if it's newest, but the Jim Dashner books, the uh, Eye of the Mind or the newer series It's not that's not Maze Runner. And uh, I came back with this one as a uh, recommendation for her. I was, you know, because she likes a lot of these uh, Hunger Game-ish type of books. And I was like, well, you should try this and see what you think. So, yeah, I've already recommended it to non-science fiction people. So 3.5 for me could have been higher. I agree with Scott. I think a lot of it had to do with the narrator. Yep. Mm. Yep. And the beginning for me. But I, yeah. 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 (laughs) Yeah. So... All right. Well, looking at what we read next, uh, the next book on our, our list is going to be Kingdom of Ash right. by Sarah J. Maas. And we're going to be finishing up the uh, Throne of Glass series. Uh, some of us are more happy about that than others. Uh, Jim. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm ecstatic that we're finishing it. Right. I am, <laughs> I am dreading over, well, almost a thousand pages in that book. Jim just wants some more wow. bear chicken wear wow going on. That's all. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But you know, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll admit I'm ready for it to yeah. be done. So I, yeah. it, it's a good ending, by the way. Good ending. Okay. So. Okay. Mr. Reed ahead. I know. I know. Well, so I guess the real question we have, so we're talking about this now. Are we thinking of consider, continuing with this series next? Do you want to read the next book in the series? We don't have to do it, but I will probably read it on my own at some point. So. I would say I, I, I'm okay with making this our next, I know, science fiction book, quote, unquote, science yeah. fiction book. Okay. Jim, are you down with that? I, I, I'm I fine with that, yeah. All right. Okay. I think the next one's going to be much more sci-fi. So yeah. It'll, it'll I, at least take imagine. place in space. Whether it's sci-fi or not, we can debate. Yeah. <laughs> okay. There's a podcast we could listen to. Yeah, there is. That, you can apparently. go back and listen yeah. to it. <laughs> Yeah, a so podcast cool. with some really cool guys on it. That's right. That's right. I'll tell you what, how you cannot listen to Keith and and not be fascinated, I, I don't know. The guy is just insane. He's crazy and he's just smarter than heck too. I feel I feel the same way about Dayton Ward. When we get Dayton on mm-hmm. yeah, he just he has a wit about him, but also just a insight. I mean he's you know arms deep in the industry so yeah he, he's great too that as is as is mike friedman and oh. kevin dillmore and david mack and you could the list could una mccormick you could go on right that's right, <laughs> that's right. all right well all right. why don't you uh tell us dave how people can contact us well look if you want to get in touch with us and be a part of the show the best way to do that is to go ahead and shoot us an email at the orbital sword at gmail.com, or you can fo- go ahead and call our voicemail at 1260 chat. That's 1260 You can also find us on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash the orbital sword, or of course on Twitter at, at orbital sword. 
Uh, remember, of course, you can find all of the links to all these things as well as what's been going on over at orbitalsword.com. And uh, we want to say a very special thank you to our patrons out there who uh, help support the we show. We love you. Hearts. Hearts. <laughs> so um, that brings us to the end of the show. We'll see you next time. Uh, once again, for the Orbital Sword, I'm David Moulton. I'm Scott Herzog. And I'm Jim Arrowwood. And join us next time on board the Orbital Sword. If I go to the sky, I will always see your smile. I will always see your smile. You're the angel. If I fall from the fire, I'll get caught with your love. I'll get caught.
Thank you.